0: Hey this is uh, Barney Rubble and you're listening to the uh uh Hey Fred uh, what podcast are we listening to uh, Barn the Movie Rob Minute podcast Oh uh, <laughs> that's right uh keep on listening Welcome to Minute 82 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is John from the Dirty Harry Minute. Welcome back, J-Bam. Thank you, Rob, for having me yet again for this
1: great podcast you have. Thank you. Well, I needed
0: someone to be able to to break down the, the the components of a Twinkie, so I figured you would be the perfect person for that. <laughs> Considering
1: they've only been in this country for about ten years and mostly in discount discount stores, sure, I can bring a lot of information. Well, I hope they haven't
0: <laughs> been sitting on the shelf for ten years.
1: No, I'll, I hope not. But yeah, know these things well. Looking forward yeah. to talking
0: about them. Okay, good. Really. go on. <laughs> So, Minute 82 begins with Ellis making himself comfortable and ends with Al talking about ice cream. So, yesterday's minute was was very Ellis uh, heavy. And, you know, we we get to see Ellis for a few seconds in this minute. But we will continue with uh, the the snowball that Ellis has uh, begun. (laughs) <laughs> we talked about yesterday the fact that that Ellis pretty much uh, had had a lot of goal with the way that he was talking and referring to to Hans and patting him on the shoulder patting patting uh Carl on the shoulder and stuff like that, and then he sits down and makes himself comfortable in in what looks like a very comfortable chair I must say you know this is, this is the type of chair that Holly has for whoever she's having meetings with you know that the brown mm. it it looks pretty comfortable does his posture look comfortable? No, no, he's <laughs> he's at a very strange angle with the way that 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 he sits down there.
1: Um, so, I, I'm, and do you think Holly has um had him in the office many times? Had to endure him laying lying there in the couch on the seat many
0: times. I believe so because based on yeah. based on what we saw from the the first I think week or maybe it was the second week, you know when he's following her around, he is definitely um harassing her you know nowadays uh if if we mentioned this back then, if he were to act now the way that he acts here um I think he would have been fired many many months ago mm. for <laughs> you know no not not a very uh smart way to to act in the workplace
1: yeah
0: i'll say yeah, so basically the the the, the punch of everything that Ellis was saying yesterday only comes in the first few seconds of this minute where he says, I can give him to you. So Hans is, was waiting the whole time to find out what it is that that Ellis is offering. And Ellis is offering to, to to give him John, that poison pill. He sits down very confident, even though he doesn't look comfortable. It doesn't look like he's sitting in a comfortable pose. He's still very confident. He's smiling, he's chuckling. <laughs> you know he he smiles uh, uh what i what I would say he looks devilishly the way that he smiles here.
1: Have you listened to him on headphones the way he his mouth sounds um yeah I had them turned up and the end. It's just uh <laughs> the arrogance of a man with a cocaine dry mouth and yes yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, that that that's all we have for for Ellis for now. We'll have to we'll have to wait. He he'll be back uh, later in the week, maybe tomorrow. I think he's back. And then we we get another outside shot of the Nakatomi Building. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear the sounds of sirens and stuff like that. And then we hear over the he radio. <laughs> and then we hear McLean over the he radio say, Mc- "Oh God!" And immediately both Al and the young cop next to him, played by uh, Anthony Peck who, I mentioned this earlier, is in uh, Die Hard 3, as a different character. You know, he, oh. he said, um, so Al takes the radio and goes, Roy, Roy, you all right? <laughs> he goes, just trying to fire down a thousand-year-old thousand Twinkie. Now, uh, once again, the idea of communicating... Between the, the, the idea of having Al and John communicate via this radio, I, I understand that that's the only way that they can com- communicate. But why does John need to push the radio button uh, when he's eating a thousand year old Twinkie? You're like, what is he gaining oh, from he... that? Is he trying to gain sympathy from somebody, even from Hans? I mean, he knows Hans can hear everything. There's a party line. <laughs> So like what's well, what's is the it, point besides be, besides that they needed in the script in order to start this conversation between the two of them? Well, exactly. You've
1: nailed it on the head there. It's just <laughs> it's just a segue. Um, and was it just me, or it really they really sounded like McLean was you know having sort of a sex, or it was a bit of an orga. It was too orgasmic, I think, for McLean to for McLean to really care about food. He doesn't strike me as that yeah. sort of a person. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think. If-
0: It's, he's uh, overcompensating here. (laughs) He, Mm. it, it, the way that he says it sounds like he's looking for sympathy. And whether he is or isn't, we don't know. We'll never know. But it it sounds as if he's asking for sympathy. (laughs) But it is, it is Mm. a great way to get the two of them to start talking. I love the fact that Al's response, you can hear that there's genuine concern in his voice. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, he mentions the fact that he's trying to to fire down a thousand year old Twinkie and then he actually spits like we can hear him spit. <laughs> Ugh.
1: So not as bad as Alice's not as bad as Alice's.
0: Uh, right. <laughs> Yuck. That's true. But like I'm trying to think, what is he spitting out? You know, if he's because he's still eating the Twinkie. Yeah. Did he is he is he spitting out like part of the wrapper or something like that? You know that he used the wrapper. You know, you just teeth to open the wrap to to rip open the wrapper or something like that. I Good don't point
1: is he managed to as he managed to somehow slurp down the whatever that white gooey feeling is and, and spit out the yellow. The well, who yellow knows? Or vice versa, hmm. could
0: be either. Could be either of those. Then and, and we see mm-hmm. that there's next to him there's like an open cooler. Um, which, which basically says that, okay, one of the workers left it in his, in his cooler. Yeah. That, that, that's the, that, that's where the Twinkie came from. You know, we have the, it it doesn't need to be refrigerated, Hmm. but if it's closed, then it really is yuck. (laughs) You know, because when when you close one of those coolers and there's nothing keeping it cold on the inside, it gets very, very warm in those things. You know, because there's there's no air. So you generally don't want to eat something that's been sitting in, in a warm cooler for a few weeks or however long it is. It could just be a day. You know, this is Christmas Eve. The, the workers theoretically were working yesterday or the day before.
1: Hmm.
0: Or even today. Yeah, and this is presumably
1: done. the foreman's desk or something, or the It could be because there are plans on it.
0: Hmm. So it could be. And then John asked the the, the the biggest question that one can ask at this point of time when you know you have a little bit of downtime when you're fighting terrorists. Um what do they put in these things anyway? <laughs> I bet you have the answer. Oh yes I do. <laughs> Yes, I do. Now, I, I want to uh, preface this by saying something else. Now, um, I've I mentioned this before. I don't remember if I mentioned it in this season or if I mentioned it last season. But I was actually at a taping of one of the first episodes of of Family Matters in nineteen in the summer of nineteen eighty nine. Wow. And I was very close to i mean we were in the audience, but we were you know I was there with a with a whole bunch of friends. We were on like a trip and they took us to to a a uh, filming of of this new show that they were able to get tickets for i think it were like forty of us or something like that you know so it was easy to get tickets at this point it it was it was probably the the third or fourth episode of the show, and you know this was less than a year or around a year after the uh, uh, after Die Hard came out awesome. so you know me and my friends when we saw Reginald Vell Johnson we screamed out to him um, we said hey what's in that Twinkie <laughs> and he started cracking up and like one of his co-stars uh, that was that was next to him at the you know standing next to him Thelma Hopkins who was who was on the show uh-huh. also and she started screaming, she started laughing and pumping her fist, you know, and trying to get him to actually say the line. I I don't remember. It's been 30, was it 32 years since that happened? 33 years. Um, I don't remember if he responded besides laughing, but, you know, I I always found it to be a great, a great uh, story to tell, you know, but how close I was to him. And, you know, we got his reaction to asking about, you know, the, the the you know his his Twinkie line because this was probably his biggest hit besides Family Matters. There's probably not anything else that he did, you know that that one could say is better.
1: <laughs> well, and, I mean he's one up, he's one up, he's one up on Steve Urkel, isn't he? Did Urkel make any?
0: Sorry, I forget his I don't name. think so. Did
1: Steve? Urkel... No, he didn't end up anything.
0: Uh, J- J- Jaleel... Mm-hmm. What was his name? Jaleel White. That was Urkel. Ah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's a very good question. I don't remember that. <laughs> um, right now I'm trying to remember which uh, which which episode it was.
1: Number three, you said?
0: No, it I could be the third episode. I, I don't remember. I, I actually, it might even be the second episode. Now that I think about it, because I'm, I'm looking at the, you know, on IMDb about what what happened on the episode. And it looks like that might actually be the one because they were talking about the being a two income family and stuff like that. And unfortunately on IMDb they don't say when shows were uh were filmed. You know, mm-hmm. that might have helped a little bit for me to remember, you know, uh when it was. But uh yeah, I don't know. If, right. if it is this one, it, is, it was the second episode, which was known to Income Family. So I'm not sure which episode it was. I, th- I think it was the second episode, but it doesn't really matter which episode. It was, it was, it was one of the very first episodes. <laughs> <That's> that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So immediately, Al answers and goes, sugar-enriched flour, partially hyd- hydronated vegetable oil, polysorbate 60, and yellow dye number five. Just everything a growing boy needs. So uh, there, there was an episode a few months ago, which was, I believe, episode 46, where we talked very much in depth about Twinkies, so we're not going to really go into to what a Twinkie is, but Thank now God. we actually get to talk about the ingredients. So do you know oh. what uh, uh, sugar-enriched flour is? Mm, no, not really. <laughs> Tell me. So enriched flour is flour with specific nutrients returned to it that have been lost while it was being prepared. Okay. These these uh, nutrients include iron and vitamin B, which include uh, uh, folic acid, riboflavin, ni- niacin, thiamine. Uh, sometimes calcium might be added to, to it. Um, and... The problem is is that that many uh countries there there are now seventy nine countries that have uh that that uh, yeah, make they? it mandatory to actually do this
1: oh. interesting
0: yeah I, I would actually think it was the opposite you know yeah. that that you would want because i would think it would be the opposite you'd, you'd want to take the you know that that you'd say okay well if if naturally it's gone after you you have made it into a flower you know, why put it back? But I don't know. I don't, I don't know enough about that. <laughs> so <laughs> when do you think, I mean, people have been using flour for, for centuries, right? Um, if not uh, millennial, millenniums, right? When do you think people finally realized that these nutrients were missing? Any clue? The Neolithic age? No, no idea. Okay, so the, the answer to that question is is that uh, in the 1920s, so it's been about 100 years since, wow, since they figured that out. A man named Benjamin R. Jacobs uh realized that these essential nutrients were, were missing. And when they would make cereal and other type of grains, uh they they would see that 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 they've lost these nutrients and need to find a way to 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 put them back. Because these are nutrients that that are seen as promoting good health and can prevent certain diseases and stuff like that. So in the 1940s. They began to actually uh, uh, be worried about the health of the population in, in England and the U.S. during during the the war years, where food was being rationed, and some of these nutrients were were very scarce. So You know, you couldn't get them at other places, so they decided to, to to start enriching the flour. In the U.S., they started in 1942. Hmm. And um, you know, it's, it's, just, it's very interesting that the, the, the idea here that they would, you know, do these type of things. And, you know, most food nowadays, you know, you, you, they, you have enriched flour in bread, cake, cookies, brownies, pretzels, donuts, pie crusts, crackers, pasta, um, breaded chicken, uh, pizza, mm. things like that. There, there are people who are against it and think that, that, uh, you know, you, you don't need it, and that you should just use uh, regular flours. So it, it's just pretty interesting that, that there's this, uh, I guess, pseudo-argument about whether people should be using enriched flour or not. So then the second <laughs> thing that he mentioned is uh, partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, okay, which is known as PHO. Okay, Have you, have you ever heard of that not, before, besides in this movie?
1: No, of course, I've heard
0: of pho, the
1: Vietnamese uh... – uh, a soup dish, but no, not that pho. No,
0: probably not. <laughs> I think we're referring to a different pho here. Yeah. So it's, it's <laughs> vegetable oil in a solid form at room temperature. Okay. In mm-hmm. order to make this type of vegetable oil, it's placed in the presence of hydrogen and a catalyst, and then the the the, the bondings are, are dismantled, and it forms a solid fat, which increases the melting point of the ingredient. Okay, and what that hmm. does is it, it results in an in incomplete hydrogenation, which uh, partially converts the oil to trans isomers, which is known as trans fat. Ah, I know that.
1: Right. Oh. So, this
0: was actually, <laughs> I guess, invented or discovered in the 1890s by the Nobel laureate uh, Paul Sabatier because he noticed that the, this chemical process of hydrogenization of vapors. In 1901, a man named Wilhelm Norman, was able to to prove that 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 liquid oils could also be hydrogenated, and in 1909, Parker and Gamble acquired the U.S. rights to the patent by Norman, and they were starting to sell uh, the first hydrogenated shortening
1: under the name Crisco. I know that from American movies, but I yeah. <laughs> what Crisco or
0: bit, yeah. or uh, Pho?
1: Crisco Crisco. Is right. that used in a lot of southern foods, particularly in like Louisiana I believe so? Yeah. And stuff?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you're using when you're making uh um, grits, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that movie The Help.
0: Um, yes, but, uh, yeah, and also uh, in uh, My Cousin Vinny, yes, yes, very good. Yep, right. So, obviously, the, the FDA is is against this and they're trying to they've been trying for years to stop it. What the, the the FDA decided to do is is that for oils that are partially hydrogenated, which are the primary dietary source of in, uh industrially produced trans fatty acids or trans fat, uh they, they don't see them as, as safe. Mm. So they they have been trying to stop them for for, for many years. Uh, not as successful as they want to be, how's that?
1: <laughs> Look, it's giving it's giving John McLean the sustenance and the energy he needs at the right moment. So give, lay yeah. off it, man. Give, give Twinkies a break, here. Yeah.
0: That's true. Okay, now what do you know about polysorbates?
1: Polysorbates. I know poly's is a Greek word meaning many, but uh, I don't know anything else.
0: <laughs> okay, so it's a, uh, it's a food additive that comes from the reaction of, of sorbitan fatty acid with uh, ethylene oxide. Okay, they have a whole bunch of different numbers. There are there is polysorbate 20, 60, 65, 80. Right? The sixty and eighty are the most commonly used in food production. And they mm. are mostly used in baked goods and frozen desserts. And what they they are used for is they extend the shelf life, they improve the crumb color and strength, and they also increase volume of the, you know, when mm. you're making it. Which now now it makes sense as to why they're doing it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so there you go, polysorbate sixty. Now the FDA also has issues with with the the polysorbates, right? Um, and uh, you know they 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 have restriction levels, and there are even countries that 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 are not that that don't approve people using the polysorbates. Okay, mm-hmm. the the acid number of using sixty or eighty. Has to be anywhere between zero and two, which I don't know enough about chemistry to tell you what that means. Uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. there are people out there who understand chemistry and have have an idea. But uh, <laughs> basically, um, that it go, it it has to fit in within the restrictions of the FDA in order for them to to, to make them.
1: Mm.
0: And it's it's related to flower weight and things like that. And then we we get the the final ingredient, yellow dye number five, (laughs) which has a real name. It's known as tartrazine. It's a synthetic lemon yellow dye uh, primarily used in food coloring. It can also be known as E-102, yellow five, yellow five lake, acid yellow 23, food yellow four, trisodium okay it's the most commonly used color all over the world usually uh, mostly for for yellow obviously and if you mix it mix it in with uh with with a blue dye you can get uh, various green shades which they also use a lot in uh, various food products
1: and on St Patrick's day in the beer i guess
0: <laughs> uh, yeah could be
1: you Can haven't you... mentioned that yellow dye, yellow dye number five, is most famous as the follow-up to Lou Vega's song
0: Mumbo Number
1: 5. <laughs> Bit of trivia for you. Boom boom. There you go.
0: <laughs> so, um, in, in uh, desserts, there it, it's used in ice cream, and ice pops, popsicles, confectionery, and hard candy, which includes uh, gummy bears and marshmallow treats, cotton candy, pudding, gelatin, including Jello cake mixes, mixes, pastries, uh, custard Custard. powder, marzipan, biscuits, cookies. And in drinks, it's used in Mountain Dew, a whole bunch of different energy and sports drinks, Um, Kool-Aid. It's used in foods uh, like uh, corn chips, you know, like Doritos and nachos. It's used in chewing gum, popcorn, uh, potato chips. It's used in jam, jelly. Marmalade, mustard, horseradish, pickles, uh, tartar yes. sauce, hmm. and other types of food that, that yeah. use it uh, cornflakes, you know, like cereals, uh, instant <laughs> soups. Uh, um, there are like rices, risetto, risotto, and things like that they use it. Uh, noodles have it. Uh, what else? Uh, fruit and pickled peppers. Yes. And uh, Rob,
1: what country has yellow? five and do we need to invade them that's a lot of products we need
0: yeah are we going to run out of it <laughs> uh, apparently not because it's synthetic yeah. <laughs> endless yeah and they also have uh, personal care and cosmetic products that are that use it they use uh tartrazine mm. and uh i mean you have uh you know different types of soaps use it and green hand sanitizer, moisturizers, lotions, mouthwashes, perfumes, toothpaste, shampoos, conditioners, um, eyeshadow, blush, face powder, foundation, lipstick, uh even even lipstick that is pink or purple uses it. Wow. Um, nail polish, nail polish remover, temporary tattoos, tanning lotions. I mean there's unbelievable the, the list. There's medications that use it. Cleaning products, paper, paper plates, pet foods, crayons, uh, ink, stamp dies, face ink? paints, ink, yeah, envelope glue, deodorants—that's just unbelievable.
1: Yeah, bugger, um, bugger, bugger, stealing government bonds. I think uh, Hans should be after some food dye fire. <laughs>
0: Definitely. Um, yeah, that that's just just. Uh, it's just crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, synthetic synthetic food additives are maybe mightier than the sword, and the pen, and the gun. <laughs> wow! Yeah. Thanks for that exhaustive list.
0: Yeah, seriously. And in the US, it's actually required that if if a product has tar- tartrazine in it, it must be listed. You know, they they, mm. they they don't say that you can't use it, but it has to be listed on the label. <laughs> I find that a little funny that that uh, you know that that's the requirement. <laughs>
1: My favorite American uh, confectionery is the Payday Bar, so I'll, next time I open an import imported one up, I'll I'll make sure to look at the wrapper and see if it appears
0: there too. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Hmm. And then the, the the conversation between John and Al continues with uh, Al saying, "Just everything a growing boy needs." And then John <laughs> says to him, how many kids you got, Al? <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it, it sounds as if he's trying to change the conversation, but is really continuing the conversation. Hmm. <laughs> and he goes, uh, well, as a f- matter of fact, my wife was working on our first. How about you, cowboy? Yeah. And he goes, you got any kids back on your ranch? Yeah, two. I sure hope I can see him swinging on a jungle gym with Al Jr. someday. Well, now that's a date. But uh, you, you gotta have to. You're gonna have to bring the ice cream. So first of all, it's funny that that Al says that you know all of these things are everything a growing boy needs. You know, we just we just went through the list of all those things. Those those mm-hmm. are mostly not things you want to eat. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: They, they might taste good, but it
0: sounds like they're they're more detrimental than than helpful. Yeah.
1: And he doesn't have a kid yet. He says he's. Preparing for his first, he doesn't know. Well, I
0: like the fact that he says his wife is working on his first. Right. You know, does that <laughs> – is he implying that that someone else is helping her out and not him? Yeah.
1: I suppose back in the 80s, you didn't have that um, – everyone says we, you know. We are expecting – My we are. delivering. Right. That probably – yeah.
0: Does he look a bit too old to have his first child? Um, well, first yes child and no. But, I mean, it's mm. – you know you can't you can't really say that that a man you know there there are many uh men in their 70s 80s and 90s that have kids for the first time i mean that's that's not the issue i mean in the in the original novel the character is a much younger character okay how how old do you think Reginald Bill johnson was when this movie came out in 1988
1: i'm terrible at this stuff i'm so terrible I'd say is he forty two or three
0: or something. He was thirty six. Oh, okay, so he's thirty six when he came so out, bad, which but, means he was yeah. thirty five when it was filmed. <laughs> okay, is is he? You know, maybe he was uh, focusing on his career, and it took him a while till he finally met his wife. I mean, there are, there are a lot of explanations that we can try and use here as to why, you know, he's only yeah. having his first child at the age of thirty six. But who
1: knows? He he's yeah he's awesome. Both the the actor and the character. Yeah, so, yeah um, for
0: sure. Yeah, take back what I said, but yeah. No, no you, don't thinking, you don't need yeah, to. You don't need to. I mean, I love. I love how he continues with the cowboy theme the whole time. Yeah, that's Rob. That's what I learned about
1: this movie. I finally looked up "Yippee Ki Yay, Mother." Beep. I had no idea that was a from a TV show, right? Um. Well,
0: it was. It was "Yippee Ki Yay." Was from... was a Roy Rogers. Uh,
1: yeah. Phrase.
0: Yeah, we 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 Some discussed cartoon... that a few few weeks
1: ago. Ah. A cowboy TV show, yeah. I mean, I don't know how readily available that was in the rest of the non-American world, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was, it sort of made sense, I guess. It sounded something. But anyway, the, the cowboy theme comes back a few times in the movie. Any kids back on the ranch? You be ka mother beep. And, yeah, exactly. and He goes, "How about references. you,
0: cowboy?" Like he refers to him as a cowboy. cowboy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and and uh, what, what's what's really funny is is that at the point when he asks. When Al asks John if he has any kids, we see John's face and he still looks concerned about about giving away anything, any hints to his real identity. You oh, know, cause, really? Because he knows that, that, I... that Hans could be listening. It's a party line. That's right. I mean, if you look at his face, you can see that he's hesitating to answer.
1: Yeah. I thought that was more just his melancholy about how his marriage and fatherhood was going for him. That- I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. He conveys melancholy really well. He's, he's actually a really fine actor and um, you can see that in both these down moments and in the action and when he's really animated, but yeah, he just, yeah, he, he conveys really well. I, that's why I said, I thought it was more about him being sad about how his marriage, the status of it, rather than him worrying about hands. But yeah, I'll take your point because he just acts so well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and at this yeah. point he also you see that he has taken out his wallet and he's looking at his picture of his kids.
1: Yeah, his so kid, he he is thinking about
0: cut.
1: them at this point. Yeah. His kid's got a bowl cut. <laughs> I like that he's um he's sort of doing a bit of Dirty Harry there because 'cause he's got the tweed jacket with the the woollen blue underneath, the cardigan, the what yeah. they call the pullover, I don't know what you call them in America. Which as you know Harry, Dirty Harry has a, the red one. And so, <laughs> a bit Harry-esque for me. Yeah. Okay. And his son's got a ball cut.
0: <laughs> anyway, go on. So, he mentions that, that you know, he wants them swinging on the jungle gym with Al Jr. So, do you know what a jungle gym is?
1: Not really. It's just a swing set or something you find on a playground.
0: Well, it's not it's a swing like set. Sl- it's, a slide. It's, it's a climbing, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's sometimes like a, a monkey bars or it's a climbing. Oh, park. yeah, yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. Monkey bars. Got it. Yep. It, it usually has either metal pipes or ropes, uh, so that, uh, you know, kids can climb, hang, sit, slide. Uh, sometimes monkey bars can be part of a jungle gym, you yep. know, where you can hang I in the I air know, yeah. and swing from, from bar to bar and something like that. And in it actually, I found in Australian English, the term monkey bars is sometimes used to refer to the entire jungle gym.
1: Yeah. Well that, that, yeah, that, that, that explains my ignorance too. Yeah, monkey bars is – yeah, exactly. I concur.
0: Exactly. <laughs> okay, all right, good. I'm glad I got the, the, the Australian concurrence on that. <laughs> <laughs> so when do you think the first jungle gym or monkey bar, as you call it, were was invented?
1: I'm inclined to think, was it actually developed for inside use at a gym, maybe into war years, the 20s or something?
0: First of all, you know. were correct about the time but the the reasoning no <laughs> okay damn right no you got, got it was, it 20... was it was invented in 1920 and patented by a man named Sebastian Hinton in Chicago right and they, they uh trademarked it called, uh, called Jungle Jim one word right and then uh there there's actually the second prototype that he created is still standing in a in the Crow Island school in Winnetka, Illinois hmm. in the thirties the the term monkey bars was uh, is found in in numerous uh parts of literature and uh, it refers to the the monkey instinct in in uh, in you know the the benefits of climbing as exercise for children hmm. you know it refers to the monkeys of shaking the bars of a cage, children swinging on a monkey runway, and the game of monkey tag. So when when Sebastian Hinton was actually younger his father had had created a similar structure with bamboo mm. that he eventually uh, you know patented to use this. so i guess he needs to give his father a, a lot more of the uh, credit for for creating this uh this this idea of a jungle gym
1: fun fact in australia the word tag is more commonly called tiggy
0: for some reason. Tiggy. Hmm. Yeah. Fun fact. <laughs> All right. Great. <laughs> and in order to uh, reduce the risk of injury from falls, so jungle gyms uh, usually have a thick yeah. layer of of something underneath, whether it's wood chips or impact absorbing material yeah. around covering the, the ground. Very sensible. You know, it needs to have at least uh, 12 inches or 30 centimeters of of the material. But as of 2011, you were no longer allowed to use wood chips. <laughs> That's just right. not as safe as as you know what we all had as kids. So. Yeah, they use that sort of
1: foam stuff. That hard, yeah. hard foam. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't,
0: I don't particularly like that. But you know, if it if it keeps our kids right. safe, I don't know what, what what to do about that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least trees are saved anyway. Right. Now I I don't get the ice cream joke at the end. Do you get Do you get the joke?
1: Remind me what it is again.
0: He says uh, yeah. well, that's a date, but uh, you're gonna have to bring the ice cream. Yeah. I mean, is is he just implying that that you got to be there?
1: I guess so. Because it's just a, it's we'll a very strange. Later
0: on, it's a very strange. Comment. Is it a
1: trunk? Yeah. Was it in the script? Maybe we can talk about
0: that later. Maybe it's well, we're about to talk about the script. If you have nothing, if you have nothing else to talk about in in this minute, we we can go right to the script. Whatever you want. Um. All right. I had two things to say.
1: I like how McLean's thumb is really cut to you know really cut. What do you call it? Closely cut. Yes. <laughs> First, yeah. I'm manicured very 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 closely.
0: Uh, very closely. Yeah.
1: That's sort of the equivalent of like drawing you fingernails down a chalkboard when i see that sort of stuff i go Ugh. i don't know why that's just my peccadillo <laughs> okay um and two i like how in the minute you see a bit of mclean's bruce willis's neck hair just a little when he's uh it's about minute sorry second 56 bit of fuzz i'm like you wouldn't see that on a modern action hero in an action movie you wouldn't see that on hemsworth or anything
0: so meaning, a cool meaning nowadays it. they would no they would they would be waxing them exactly yeah mm-hmm. okay that's fair that's about that's a all I had okay all right so the script again there there are a few little discrepancies uh, nothing nothing major but still there's some nice stuff so it starts off with uh, it says that uh, Powell is standing by the the radio and he suddenly reacts to a groan from McLean and then he goes Roy you all right and then we see McLean and he goes and it says. McLean is standing by an open desk drawer having just ripped open a package of Twinkies he's found. He grimaces, mouth full. So, I mean, first of all, according to the script, he just takes it out of someone's desk as opposed to it being from a workman's lunchbox or something like that. Hmm. And McLean's response is he says just trying to handle some some year-old Twinkies. Some year-old Twinkies. Yuck. It it works much better in the in the movie. Uh, He still does ask for the ingredients, and Powell gives it to him. And then McLean laughs and says, you sound like a man with a couple of kids. And then Powell goes, not yet. the, The wife is working on our first. And then it mentions that as McLean swallows a Twinkie with a grimace, he takes out his wallet, flips it open to a picture of himself and Holly and the kids in happier days. And then the, the final line where Paolo talks about ice cream, he says, it's a date. You buy the ice cream as opposed to you bring the ice cream. But again, I don't think any of these differences really need to, they, they, they don't impact anything. You know, yeah. it's fine the way they did in the movie, and I think it works well that way. I agree. Every Tuesday, we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Holiday Edition, where my guest will give a little story or anecdote or something about some sort of uh, adventure that uh, they had at some point of their lives uh, related to some sort of holiday. So, John, you got a story for
1: us? Yeah. As I explained off mic, I don't really have any great um, stories narrative-wise that I've given to you before, but one holiday I remember at Christmas time. obviously I'm from the Southern Hemisphere where it doesn't really snow that much unless you're in the Andes or something, and I was in Berlin and London, in 2009, and um, I was staying uh, in He uh, Clapton Common, and it was snowing, which apparently doesn't happen that often in London for more than, you know, a day or two. Um, so, yeah, seeing snow really for the first time in the wild was uh, quite an amazing holiday experience for me.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: That, that sounds right. Hmm. Pretty boring and mundane for you guys
0: in the Northern Hemisphere. But nah, uh, no such thing. Pretty cool. No such thing. <laughs> uh, see ya. All right, great. Do you want to, once again, tell people how they can get in touch with you?
1: Uh, please go to DirtyHarryMinute.com or on Facebook, uh, iTunes, you can find Dirty Harry Minute. Uh, please download and
0: enjoy. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me directly on my website, minute.com. So, uh, John, you feel like uh, feeling lucky? You want to come back in tomorrow?
1: Yes, punk. Yeah. I feel lucky. <laughs> no, it's please.
0: Mark, not punk. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> feeling lucky. <laughs> feeling smuck. lucky, mark. <laughs> <laughs> all right so until tomorrow yippee ki yippee